You're listening to the Trust Issues Podcast. I'm David Puner, a Senior Editorial Manager at CyberArk, the global leader in identity security. I recently went to the DMV to get a new, real ID driver's license. You know the drill for how these things go. I had to make a reservation in advance. Still had to wait. Then I waited some more. And then I had to show my old, soon to expire license along with a couple of backing forms of ID. A passport, a utility bill, a social security card, that sort of thing. Proof of identity, they call it. It's an analog version of multi-factor authentication. And if I didn't have the required supporting documentation, I'd be denied and have to try again later with the right set of verifiers. But for every me or you, there are now 45 machine identities. That's 45 machine identities for every single human identity. That's wild. According to our own recent identity security threat landscape report, 68% of those machine identities have some level of sensitive access. There's a ton of potential for breaches there and attackers know it and are doing their best to take advantage of it. Cybersecurity is so far beyond its Neolithic protecting the perimeter days. The perimeter's gone, identity is the new perimeter. And this all makes me think about autonomous vehicles and the number of machine identities associated with each autonomous vehicle and whether there's maybe like a head machine, like a top dog machine that should be required to get some sort of driver's license. But it it just feels kind of unfair that those machines don't have to go to the DMV. But that's another podcast for another day. If there's an automotive CISO listening, please email us at trustissues at cyberarc.com. We'd love to have you on the show. Today's episode of Trust Issues features my recent conversation with CyberArk chairman and CEO Udi Makati. And we get into what it means and what it is to secure identities. I sat down with Udi in his office just a couple of days after the wrap of our Impact 2022 conference, which was held in Boston, right in our backyard. Our U.S. headquarters are in Newton, Mass. There were actual people interacting with one another in person. In keeping with the spirit of in-person, this episode also marks the first episode of Trust Issues we've recorded in person. Here's my talk with Udi about identity security, where we've been, where we're going, and some other stuff like guitar playing, It was a fun talk. I hope you enjoy it. We're near the end of July and we're fresh out of the the impact conference that that we just had in Boston. What are you taking away as the overall state of the cybersecurity industry and what what kind of surprises came out of the the impact conference? First of all, it was phenomenal to be back in person after uh, two plus years. And it was our first uh, event together with a live audience and, uh, you know, a thousand people in the room and, and, uh, and then another uh, chunk of uh, huge audience out there in the in the virtual world. So that that was super uh, exciting. First of all, th- it feels like there was hunger both on our customer and partner side to to be back uh, together. And of course, from uh, the cybersecurity world, so much has changed. We had so much to talk about in this uh, these years of digital transformation, and of course, uh, the rise of, of of cyber attacks. That the, the get together was, I would say, in a very good timing. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it was also uh, CyberArk coming out and uh, we told the, the full story of how we, we've expanded to identity security. Yeah, we will get back to identity security in just a minute. But I also wanted to point out that at the 
the Impact Conference, we had a we had a pretty fantastic party at the the Boston House of Blues uh, with with Guster playing. What, what, what did you what did you see there? That was terrific. First of all, again, people were so excited. We we had our team, we had customers, we had partners, and the band uh, was lovely. They were so low key. They understood that people were also eager to talk to each other. So they opened up and they said, "Hey, we're going to play for you." But if you want to keep chatting and talking, we're good with it. And that was actually the vibe. People were were singing, chatting with each other, and watching the band, and and it was phenomenal. And of course, there was a highlight where uh, one of our employees uh, went up the stage and and actually played two songs with the band on on saxophone. Yeah, that was that was fantastic and and super unexpected. And I think we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to get him to perform on a, on a podcast coming up soon. He was unbelievable. I think he has the he's high quality. He he would be able to talk on the podcast both cybersecurity and uh, and music and saxophone. I I think you should invite him. Absolutely, you careless whisper. Who who knew? <laughs> Perfect for the saxophone. <laughs> and 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 uh, I know this isn't the crux of our conversation here, but I, I know that you're a you're a guitar player. How long you've been playing guitar, and and what what particular type of music do you like to play? Oh wow! So I've I've been playing guitar since since high school. By the way, speaking of the House of Blues event, I was kind of worried that they'll invite me up on stage, and the and there was a little <laughs> bit of a rumor going on. Yeah, they'll call Udi up on stage to play, and uh, I had a chance to say hello to the band before, and I said guys please don't invite me on stage i'm rusty and i love music but but don't invite me and uh, and and i'm glad they they followed so i i've been playing since high school i i grew up kind of loving bands like uh, pink floyd led zeppelin uh, rock and roll and it is my passion but uh i i need to practice more to be where i want to be well we we got to get to the crux i think of our conversation but if there's more time <laughs> at the end i want to know more about about the guitar and um, your path to being chairman and CEO of CyberArk. How did your cybersecurity career launch and uh, what, what's been your path? Yeah, you know, sometimes I speak to students or just young entrepreneurs and, and I talk about how you can't really reverse engineers one's, uh, one's uh, trajectory. I actually went off to the side and studied law for a bit. I think day one, I understood that I don't want to work in it, but I knew that it's a good educational thing uh, for the future in business. And then got together with uh, with a high school friend who who was my my co-founder. And we, we decided that the world is, is too focused on, um, on, on just creating uh, perimeters, firewalls at the time, and that beyond the firewall, it's a jungle. People can do anything, and, uh, and even, even uh, uh, trusted people are, are over, overly trusted, and, and, and there's havoc. And, and we came up uh, uh, with, with a concept of, of vaults. Let's, uh, the world has, uh, has doors, but they don't have vaults. And we came up with the concept of securing the inside of organizations. And of course... The journey has been totally different. Uh, I wasn't the CEO when we started. I became CEO in, in 2005. That's when we really focused and, and kind of named the space Privilege Access Management and, and, and started this, uh, this amazing uh, journey. I, I think what really made the biggest difference is, is we, we, we dove into something that was new. We, we, we created a new space. But every, almost every single customer along the years told us, hey, if we're going to use you and, and we're going to bank on you, uh, we want to know that you're going to be around, that you're going to build a, a long-lasting company. We don't want you to disappear, like has happened to them with other startups as, as vendors. And that really shaped our trajectory to want to build a, uh, a long-standing company. And, uh, and you, uh, as you know, David, I mean, the, the part of that was, was, was going public in 2014, not as a milestone but as actually a, a, 
a way to, to, to deliver on this message. We're going to be around. We're going to be around in the right way. So when you go from this concept to then to the point where we're going to be around at what point at what point does the, the we're going to be around part come into play that the concept itself when you first came up with the concept did you think this is actually something that we can we can execute or like what's the trajectory there yeah i i think sometimes when i sum it up fast it shows up too faster than it really was in reality because reality is a new concept of a vault to secure the inside of organizations i moved to the u.s uh, actually where, where we're speaking now to boston uh, because we started Cybark in Israel and I, and I moved to Boston and, and here's where we, we started to interact with really Fortune 500 um, uh, customers and they really helped to shed the light on this whole issue of privileged users and privileged access and administrative access that that led us to, uh, to really pioneer um, uh, that space. And then when they, so that's kind of what's called product market fit of those early years in, in the early 2000s. But over time, as we were taken into major banks and uh, governments and, uh, and and insurance companies and manufacturing companies and, and you name it, that's when the conversation began to be, okay, this is no longer just a solving a, a small problem for me. We're going to trust you. And I know that's the name of, the, right. of, of this podcast. Nice drop. Thank you. We're, we're going to trust you with the keys to our kingdom, or often they call it kind of the keys to the IT kingdom. And let me ask you a question, Udi. And those were point blank questions. How do we know you're going to be around? And they would always tell us some some horror story of a, of a vendor that uh, you know was acquired and uh, and went away. So it was it was a recurring thing, especially in in customer conferences. And it gave us this, uh, um, I, I would say, a mixed feeling. One is is of awe. Wow, they, it's it's really important for for our customers. And the and the other one, this sense of obligation. We have to deliver to them. They trusted us. And let's let's part away from the regular kind of startups where what they want to do is go get sold and 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 have a party. Let's build something long lasting. So then, bringing it back to present day or just past present day, because we were we were at Impact last week. Um, it was back to in person, uh, a hybrid event held in Boston. Um, how did it feel to be back? We've already touched upon it a little bit, but face to face with customers and partners. And what do you think the major differences are for both the cybersecurity landscape and the cybersecurity landscape between the very first impact conference and now? Oh, wow. What, what a difference uh, the, the, the time makes. So first of all, the back in person, we, we talked about that. I think there was one, one moment when one of our uh, uh, R&D engineers, um, and she, she's actually based in Israel, but she, she came here to the event in Boston, uh, caught me in the hallway there, and she said, meeting customers in person. Oh wow, that brought that, that that connected me back to my why. And and I just love that. And I think that was what it's all about. We've been interacting with customers for the past uh, of course during these past two plus years, but but in person and sitting and allowing them to, to have early access to to, to products and, and showcasing in person, it was it was really uh, magnificent. Uh, in terms of how um, the world uh, the world changed, I think we've we've used to have to educate about you can't just trust the perimeter, uh, what what happens beyond the perimeter, and and I would say the the early days of these conferences were, were about kind of talking a lot. I think now it was kind of a, a it was a given for everybody. Perimeters are gone, and uh, perimeters are 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 porous. So I think that's. Uh, that's one big change, and and what replaced that perimeter was was identity at the center, and and of course uh, people like to say identity is the new is the new perimeter. It was kind of this underlying given 
at this conference. The other thing that really changed a lot, if, if I look back over the years, is this awareness or acknowledgement that the attackers are innovating. That that defenders like us are not just dealing and 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 of course uh, a solution like privilege access management and identity security and we'll talk about it that that changes how uh, organizations work is not just dealing with that change management and security is also is dealing with attacker innovation. We've launched uh, uh, what we call the identity security threat landscape uh, uh, study and we just came out with it a few uh, a few months ago and and one amazing and it went out to like. 2,000 decision makers. One amazing finding is that over 70% of those surveyed uh, said that they've experienced a ransomware attack in the past year. Most of them saying it's been more than one. It's more like two. That's completely insane to think that that is the the percentage. Yeah, and and they just learn to live with it. And and the other side of it was when we asked them about supply chain. I mean, 64% said that they had to deal with supply chain related attacks. Some of it was not an attack, you know, in progress, but that they had to deal with the fact that, you know, maybe they had a solar winds or their supplier had solar winds and they had to go after and 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 go and fix. So so there's there's a, a whole new awareness. I mean, at some point in the conference, uh, I think in one of the panels, I said that it used to be that we had to educate people what uh, well, what privilege access is, what ransomware is. And, and that I believe that, you know, grandma or grandpa um, and now know what what these things are definitely what ransomware is and that that it's everybody's problem it all sort of revolves in one way or another around the explosion of identities over the last few years both human and machine so what's the difference between human and machine identities it may may be obvious um, but to some it probably isn't. And, and what's the scale of this growth and, and what are the implications? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think if there's one uh, thematic thing from, from last week at, at, at the Cyberac Impact is that we, we've, we've announced our, our expansion from, from PAM to identity security. And, um, and the why, why did we make this expansion is, is exactly to your point, this proliferation of, uh, of identities where, where we found that, uh, um, that every organization now has to deal with thousands of, of identities. With regards to human and machine, I think there was a, a Disney movie or it was a theme song from one of the Disney movies that was uh, Computers Are People Too. And we discovered it over the years that uh, our customers wanted us to not only manage the human identity of this is a, uh, let's talk about a privilege user, this is the human, and, and we need to, to, man- to manage the, the life cycle of what they can access and, and w- what's happening there, but also computers, servers, uh, applications. They have those, those uh, scenarios where, where they have to actually identify and say, hey, this is me, the application, and I need to talk to you, the other application, uh, because I'm accessing a database or I'm accessing a billing uh, a service or or the, the interaction between machines require an identity. When you multiply it in the world of how uh, uh, modern, uh, uh, I would say, workloads are, are running, it could be that there's a, a burst of, of these identities who, who are now accessing a billing application to do something or, 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 or a database, and they can go up and down. And, and you have things that were used to be maybe easier to track where we used to secure a static application and say, what a, there's a secret embedded in there and we have to secure that and rotate that. Uh, now it's exploded. So in terms of magnitude, in, in our recent survey, we found that there are 45 times more machine identities to, to a human identities. And of course, there are, <laughs> and of course there are magnitudes of human identities in an enterprise. So, uh, you know, we came up with, with maybe a human has 30 different identities in, a, in, in, in an enterprise setting. And, and so think about 45x that 
uh, our machine identities in the organization. I explained it last week to someone. I said that if you if you had these special glasses, you walked into a bank and you had these special glasses. So first of all, you see the humans, and and you imagine all of these humans have identities that 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 need need to be managed. Now put on these special glasses. And suddenly you'll see the machines and those machines are all over the place and they are accessing network resources and, and, and uh, data resources and, and, and they have their identities and, and, that's, uh, and that's huge. And most of those identities have some level of sensitive access, uh, I would say. When it comes to humans, more than half of them. We found more than half of workforce identities have some level of sensitive access. And when it comes to machine, like almost 70% of them, that's what they're doing. I mean, it could be a robotic process automation. It could be some some other type of, of service running. They're accessing sensitive data. Are, are they are they getting smarter? Are they taking over? Should we be concerned? <laughs> they are taking over. I mean, uh, in a good way. That's that's part. That's the good way of digital transformation. I mean, some of our customers I've seen a robotic process automation, and you know we've done integration with those with those the major companies doing that, really replacing a manual process of filing for insurance, filing for a mortgage, doing all of the steps uh, that are required to do that. But instead of a teller going into a database and saying, "Oh, let me check on this uh, on this person trying to apply for a mortgage," and then let's check the address and let's check past statements and let's check this and that, this is all machine identities uh, running in the background. I want to go home now. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all good. I always say the CyberArk logo is is blue because we come in peace. We we're here to enable, secure, and enable, and um, and so I, I think a lot of it is positive. But I think that that you know takes us to to what we've already kind of teased, and maybe even a little more so, identity security. So, what is it, and why is it so important right now? It's so exciting that we. Pioneered the space privilege access management and, um, and and really announced uh, our expansion to identity security very much with the the push and applause from the customer base. Basically, the customer base said we trusted you for our privilege users. We we centered you know, you know, uh, you know, around your privilege access management. Can you cover this proliferation of identities? Can you can you go after the workforce uh, and and give me similar controls and 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 solutions for for our regular users? And I've heard it so many years and. Of course, we we we've been working on it. Part of it has has been based on our acquisition of uh, Adaptive in May of 2020 to create a modern platform that can give a new approach to identity um, uh, security and that explosion of of human and uh, and machine identities that doesn't take care of them in a in a siloed fashion, but actually brings the best of what we learn from privilege access management, uh, what we call intelligent privilege controls. Bring brings that in, brings those intelligent privilege controls. Um, and applies them to um, to all uh, types of uh, humans and uh, and machines, no matter where they're coming from, and and manages their connection and interaction interaction with all types of uh, resources, whether they are on premise, hybrid, or uh, or in the cloud. And in this journey, centered on intelligent privilege controls, we we look at that seamless uh, access and 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 provide it in, in, seamlessly for for the human and machines, because we know that that's the big theme. To make it easy, to make it easy to consume, and balance that with a third angle of of, uh, of automation. If it was not for the last two and a half years and the pandemic, are we talking about an identity security platform right now? I think things accelerated. We 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 saw the trajectory happening. Uh, what I mentioned earlier, customers were asking for, you know, can you also cover my workforce employees? And and we did machine identities, but it it was done without 
enjoying some of the shared services that uh, that, that we can now give that service uh, uh, based on what we give we give to the human um, uh, access. But I think the last couple of years really uh, accelerated this proliferation of identity, really accelerated growing attack surface for for uh, uh, for our customers, and made it even more important. Uh, to, to deliver that. And of course, we're, we've also seen growing excitement about uh, consuming this as a service. And, and so uh, while we continue to uh, deeply support our on-premise customers who partner with us on on-privilege access management, and we have many customers, we, we, we call them self-hosted, but on-premise, uh, the, 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 the SaaS delivery and the SaaS enablement really allows us to, to give this in, in a fast with, with quick time to value. So what makes CyberArk so well-suited to not only define the identity security category, but also lead from a technology innovation standpoint? I would say a couple of things here. So first of all, from a, from a technology perspective, there's no better way to come in when you already uh, touch the, the, the hardest part of, of security or, or the hardest parts of identity security, which is, which is privilege access management, right? What the keys to the kingdom and, and covering that also with, with our customer's journey to, to the clouds. With that expansion, we have, we have a great vantage point to come in and say, hey, we're going to bring you those, those privilege access-like controls, but in a lighter way to all type of users. And then um, from a company DNA perspective, which I always like to talk about, and David, you may need to stop me, but <laughs> I, I love talking about the cyber culture and, and, and team. People are, um, the, the team is, is what we call smart, bold, but, uh, but humble. And, and, and so we, we take into account the, the growing, changing landscape in our customer base, like with, with, with great attention to the fact that the lives of our customers are changing and they have to support the, the digital transformation happening in their organization and, and really take that in with, with deep respect. They take the, the I would say, the uh, not, not positive respect, but the fact that you have to be cognizant of the attacker innovation and, and, and really always keeping one eye on, on, on the attacker. And we've done that throughout the years. We're often, we've often been telephone call number two uh, to, to breach the prospects where the first phone call, they, they call incident response. The second phone call is to CyberArk. Hey, you know, we lost trust here. Can you help us regain trust in, in, our, uh, in our infrastructure? And, and people really have a strong sense of mission in, in, in CyberArk and blend that all with, with a global approach. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't know how to recreate it, but we built a truly global company, you know, started in Israel, but then expanded to uh, the presence in more than 130 countries and, and uh, this diversity across, uh, across the team with a strong sense of mission makes it really well positioned to, to go after this expanded uh, identity security category and, and you know having 7500 enterprise customers to to continue to partner with and and leverage all the uh, all the things we've we've learned from that partnership is is a is a is a great uh position great thank you for that so speaking of the attackers they seem to be more brazen than ever uh in one recent notable example costa rica was besieged by widespread attacks uh, the earlier of which led to the president declaring a national state of emergency in May. Um, what are we seeing there and what can we learn from it? And what's important to pay attention to there? How is the global security community reacting? Yeah, I think it's become part of the reality. Uh, you called it the uh, brazen. At, at the RSA show, I met with uh, 
with some of our uh, Costa Rican um, uh, customers and, and actually partners. And they also came last week. Some of them came last week to, to Boston and they, they talk about how uh, payroll was stopped, uh, how, how processes were, were, were moving back to, to manual uh, with this, uh, with this ransomware attack. I think, I think uh, it, it just adds to this growing awareness that there's no real boundaries. The geopolitical tension is just, just adding to the havoc. Uh, it's, it's, it's continuously going to be very hard to prosecute criminal organizations. And of course, you have the nation states uh, uh, behind it. So I, I, I think uh, what, what I see is, is gr- great maturity within uh, the customer base and, and the chief security officers. We had some of them on, on the panel last week. You, you just see that they, they approach cybersecurity, again, with that strong sense of mission and definitely with the uh, assume uh, assume attack kind of uh, mindset and how they're defending their organization and this whole concept of you know zero trust not as a not as a slogan but that they they're really trying to uh, to minimize these these points of flair in their organization and the community part of that the global community that really is truly essential at this point to, to work in silos would be I mean would that work. Yeah, no, I think I, you you asked me earlier about the, this building a long term uh, company. One of the things that it led to is this really partnering good faith within the industry. I mean, uh, with the, the CQB Alliance, for example, that we have, it has more than two hundred uh, technology partners on it, maybe more than four hundred integrations. Integrations, and it's basically the result of hours of engineering like you can put dollars in engineering that we put into integration with third-party uh, solutions all because we believe security is a team sport or a team game and that it adds value to to our customers so i think we're seeing the, the security community um interacting definitely you know we're, we're promoting that in our interactions but i also see it within the customer base and their their willingness to speak to each other and and give each other uh, uh, tips and advice. Sometimes uh, organized, and sometimes they even you know kind of ad hoc. Can you shed some light on how customers are adopting identity security and our role as a long term partner in this entire journey? It's been a, a, a privilege, no pun intended. Uh, it's been a privilege to uh, work alongside with with major enterprises. You know, we we have more than half the Fortune uh, 100, and and you know more than a third of the global. Uh, the global 2000, the numbers are probably higher uh, than what I, I just mentioned, but working with, with really global uh, enterprises in a, in a dual way. One, sometimes you have to innovate ahead of them because the attackers are innovating. And the other thing, because we're an operational technology, we, we help them run their business, innovate along with them, make sure we prioritize uh, next to them. What's important for you? Uh, how would you like to, to would you, do you want this as a service? And, and, and all of these things that, that led to, to the identity security platform were really hand in hand with, on, on those two elements, innovate ahead, but also along with customers. And I, and I think what we're seeing now is is really growing um, awareness that uh, that this is one of the most important layers that they have in their organization. It's also probably the only layer that that serves two purposes. It's it's a security layer, but also a a digital enablement layer. So they 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 can use us to connect to suppliers. They can use us to connect to their to their their own customers in the identity security platform. So it's it's a it's been a very uh, exciting uh, uh, partnership, and I think we we've had some examples on stage uh, last week where they've on that same message we partnered with you for your most privileged uh, for our most privileged users now we're we we've expanded with you to our workforce employees our, our third parties that's what it's all about and then um uh i think i think you kind of see two flavors of of, of companies out there and and it's changing i think to the positive flavor you see companies that are still more worried about compliance 
and and companies that that worry about the the attacker and enabling that digital transformation and of course the the latter i think uh are, are, are taking the right approach the attacker does not care if the company is compliant so uh compliance can can serve to get budgeting compliance can can help uh, in some prioritization but um uh, the things like the attacker mindset is 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 the important one and i see that really growing and i think one of the one of the interesting things that that I thought about a lot in impact, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here because I, I the actual point uh, may be a little bit worded a little bit differently, but essentially CyberArk serves as the backbone of of business because customers shouldn't necessarily be thinking about all these things. They want to be focused on their own on their own business, and I think that that's really a a fascinating way of looking at all this. Yeah, and that that drove me a lot when when you know I I remember in the past where where a chief security officer told me literally okay so I'm quoting and we put privilege access management in space in in place and and this is a very large company he said it was the first night I really had a good night's sleep he said I didn't fully sleep as a CISO he's still paranoid right. but but I had a full night of sleep and and that's exactly it, David like allowing our customers to reduce the massive amount of risk. And um, and carry on with their with their business and and focus on their initiatives, knowing that the attacker cannot gain privilege access, cannot move laterally, um, uh, cannot uh, I would say live off the land and take off and turn down security controls like uh, has happened when they've achieved privilege access in in in, in a major uh, known attack. So that that really uh, drives us. And and when we expand to identity security, it's uh, like like I said before, it's it's even more exciting in the sense that. Wow, this is how you're connecting. You know, we have, we have a hospital where where we're part of how the the doctors and the nursing team and everyone comes in and starts working in in the day, and and they focus on on healthcare, and 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 we're the backbone of that. And of course, you apply that to an airline, apply that to to government, and apply that to, to banking, and um, you know, this is this is what what motivates us. That's great. Let's let's help our CISOs. Let's help let's help our customers get some rest. Absolutely. You've been super generous with your time. Really appreciate it. Um, is there anything that you'd like to cover that we haven't covered? Uh, I, I think I, I had a chance to to talk about the the, the technology uh, partners, and I, I mentioned the the the, the C Cube. I, I would add the the other flavor are, are the channel and uh, and alliance partners. I think they're they're helping us drive this adoption of of identity security. We had uh, some of them last week at the at the event. Uh, the likes of uh, you know Accenture, Deloitte, uh, PwC, Optiv, uh, KPMG, others. And, and Sideris, we we had uh, Robert Herjavec uh, mm-hmm. speak, uh, right, speak, right. speak speak with me on stage. They're really also part of uh, that dual enablement, bringing identity security to to the to the customer base and and enabling uh, their, their digital transformation. And so that would be one point. And the whole notion of of cyber debt was was a topic we brought up uh, last week. That digital transformation is is actually creating cyber debt. I love that term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't hear that before. He didn't hear he didn't hear yeah. that before, and he. And he didn't promise that he'll give me the, uh, you know, we're going to help you get credit, the, the credit for, for authoring that. But I, I think it's a, it's a cyber arc authoring of, of talking about cyber debt as something that, again, is a, is a result of a good thing of, of running ahead with, uh, with, with massive projects of the last couple of years in, in digital transformation. There are two things. One, close up that, that uh, cyber debt with identity security. And, and two, even more exciting, don't rack up more debt if you, if you do identity security right from the get-go. And, and we're passionate about that. Terrific, Udi. Thanks so much. Really appreciate your time. Looking forward to what's next. And if I can put in a plug for um, 
for Impact 2023 locations. I'm thinking Maldives. That oh, sound good? Oh, no. Now you got us in trouble. Uh, <laughs> no, it's going to be somewhere accessible. Maybe Boston again. It was okay. lovely here in All the right. summer, right? Yep. And uh, But we'll, we'll figure out. In, in the meantime, we're actually going to take uh, – uh cyborg impact on the road it's going to have like a a, a mini cyborg impact from from last week we're going to take it on the road in, in multiple uh, uh cities uh in including in the u.s canada uh europe and and asia it's going to be exciting terrific well looking forward to it looking forward to the ride and uh thanks so much hope, hope to talk to you again soon and uh, i'll get robert's number from you uh once we uh once we wrap this <laughs> was well, fun david thank you all right thanks Eddie. appreciate it Thanks for listening to today's episode of Trust Issues. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, constructive comment, preferably, but, you know, it's up to you. Or an episode suggestion, please drop us an email at trustissues at cyberarc.com. And make sure you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts. 